Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss aspects of technology or business operation and how each area interacts with guest current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and my guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all your digital shelf and marketing needs part of the Aryan Technologies Group. Pharmacy Addressing Loneliness and Social Isolation is the first international network of individuals and organisations across the pharmacy industry that are passionate about the health of their specific patients. My guest today is pharmacist Jenny Kirshner from PALS, Pharmacy Addressing Loneliness and Social Isolation. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Scott. So lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's great. I've been really looking forward to this chat. I know we had a bit of a deferment over the Christmas period and, and January period, but uh, we're here and uh, really looking forward to the chat. Now, um, whilst you and I have never met in person, uh, we've had the great wonders of technology that have, I guess, introduced to us as each other in a technological sense. Uh, and I'm no doubt that within your own pharmacy arena, there'll be quite a few people that will be listening today that will know you. But for anyone who's listening today that may not know, who is pharmacist Jenny Kirshner? Great question. I think I should start by saying my, my dad's a pharmacist. So my first introduction to pharmacy was actually when I was very young and I did the Christmas stand out the front and I would do the window displays. So I always felt like pharmacy was very creative. <laughs> and so um, I've had a, quite a colourful career in pharmacy. Um, I started off um, in some retail pharmacy. Um, the, the lady that I did my internship with was actually the president of the PSA at the time and it was a tiny little pharmacy but she really taught me the value of connection with customers and how every customer deserves attention and also as a preceptor she was really invested and involved and um, concerned about my well-being as a, as a pharmacy student. So I started off in retail pharmacy um, I worked overseas in London and over there I actually got into some hospital pharmacy and that was a wonderful experience. Again, I met a lady there who was um, wholeheartedly captivated by clinical pharmacy and she kind of opened the door to clinical pharmacy uh, to me. So then when I got back, I worked at the Alfred Hospital actually as a clinical pharmacist for about seven years. Five of those were ward-based services and the last two years were project management around antimicrobial stewardship. So that was really terrific to have a bit of retail experience, to have clinical experience, which I really loved, and then also to do project management and change management in a large hospital, um, getting consensus around how antibiotics would be used. You know, from that place, I actually really felt that it's important that we develop skills as a pharmacist to engage with people in a way that understands them and helps them um, motivate them to change. So what I did was I went and did some health coach training. And so um, pharmacists might have heard of health coaching, but really there's skills to be able to what's called motivational interviewing, engage with people, understand their why. And when you understand their why, you can then go and help them uh, motivate them to change or help them structure some plans and strategies and goals to change. So I also have worked for Diabetes Australia as a health coach um, in a range of lifestyle modification programs. So that's telephone health coaching, trying to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Um, 
And then from there, um, I'm just having a think. From there, I actually um, did quite a bit of travel, but I, I, I also um, it's a little bit off pharmacy actually. I actually, with my partner, made raw organic chocolates when we were living in Sydney, and we distributed those um, in Melbourne and Sydney, and uh, also imported a superfood from Africa, and distributed those also. And I think, I guess, the importance of this is that I think as a pharmacist, it's really important to understand all sides of what business is about, imports, exports, pricing, relationship management. Um, so that's just a bit of a, an interesting throw-in. I'll, I'll share one more because I feel like this is very much related to um, what we'll talk about a little bit later and, and loneliness. When I had my two children... Um, I was at home quite a bit and I always loved dancing and there wasn't really a place to go. So I created a series of events called Mother Funkers, which were daytime dance parties where babies could come along with the mums. So really, if you break that down, what I did was create opportunities for community to connect and it was really a wellbeing and mental health initiative for mothers to come along and I ran a series of those and had a lot of people attend and it was fun but it really served the intention of connecting people for their well-being and health. So everything, you know, I think you can see along the way, whether it's raw organic chocolate to health coaching to dance parties is around the health and connecting individuals. Um, and I'll share my most recent uh, role. I also work as a national health programs pharmacists, digital and clinical services. So as you're very well aware, there's been such a uh, kind of a wave of technology and I really feel like pharmacy needs to be open and upskill themselves to be part of that. So I've recently finished some product management course to be able to help facilitate bring digital health programs to clinical services in the pharmacy. So a bit of everything. But that's great. And look, I'd love to talk about chocolate because I'm going to admit that it's one of my <laughs> vices in life. Um, I, I do have a metabolism that can um, um, you know, process chocolate fairly well. Uh, there's people who are envious of the amount of chocolate I can process, but uh, with that comes a lot of exercise and, and to a point, I guess, sugar, <laughs> sugar replacement in, in terms of what I do. For those that know me and know what I do, uh, you would understand why that works for me. If, that's a great background, and you're right. There is a theme there um, around connectivity of people and particularly social interaction. And stating the obvious is that social interaction we know is good for health, uh, and there's no, no doubt about where that lies. And I guess we move now into PALS, Pharmacy Addressing Loneliness and Socialisation, to a point I see technology and would love to chat with you about how this works with the PALS group, but I see technology being both a help and a hindrance because we know I, I could just be as simple as introvert and extrovert. And I know there's many different psychological profiles, but if we just stick with those two, um, if you're an introvert and you don't necessarily like getting out, then technology, I guess to a point, uh, creates a, a platform where you can go and hide um, fairly well and still get what you need, I guess, to for, from an interaction point of view. On the reciprocal side of things, in what I call the last two and a bit unprecedented years where we've all been in some form of lockdown or social isolation, technology mm -hmm. 
has become multi-platforms that has allowed people to interact. And I know even within my own network, um, you know, we, we had a fairly active outdoor group that we just couldn't get out and do the things that we were doing before. So um, once a week, we would actually um, have a Zoom group meeting or what I call a Brady Bunch meeting for those of you that know, know what that is, where we would still interact and talk to each other. And, and so for us extroverts that needed the social interaction, that needed the uh, association with other people but couldn't get it, so technology helped us with that. So talk to us about PALS. How did that come about? Uh, I think I think you've already answered it in part, but let's talk specifically about PALS and how it works and, and how it's working to help with the healthcare of patients and clients. Sure. So I've been following the topic of loneliness for over a decade with an interest that really stemmed from my own personal experiences with loneliness. So loneliness is a really interesting thing. Um, it's quite a private thing. So to the outside, people can seem very happy and outgoing, extroverted or introverted, but Loneliness is a subjective feeling that you don't have the quality and quantity or really the quality of relationships that you're after. So I, from my own personal experiences, went exploring and thought, what is this? How do I unpack this and make sense of what's going on? Or is this just an uncomfortable emotion and, you know, not to pay too much attention to it? And at the time, 10 years ago, there wasn't that much information out there. But then COVID happened. And what we found is there was this global experience of loneliness and for those who hadn't experienced loneliness before they had more empathy and understanding of those who otherwise might experience loneliness so it kind of opened the door for this conversation and so I was thinking what is the best place that I can impact here how can I make the, the largest impact and what I realized is pharmacy be it hospital pharmacy or community pharmacy are at critical access points to patients and it's really important, it's actually, I, I would suggest, our professional responsibility to start to upskill ourselves and learn about the, the science of loneliness so we can start to recognise it in our patients and respond. So at the time when COVID happened, I thought, you know, now's a good time to, to, as a, as, to be proactive from a pharmacy perspective. So I established PALS, as you mentioned, which is Pharmacy Addressing Loneliness and Social Isolation. And really kind of thinking through the roadmap of PALS, in the first instance, we actually need to make sure that the whole pharmacy industry understand what loneliness is and understand that it has not just psychological impacts, but health impacts. So I'm going to reel off a couple of statistics and, and I've got some articles that people can read to, to see the real robust evidence. But there is evidence to show that loneliness can increase your risk of premature death by 26%. Now, that's the same kind of risk as you have with obesity. We've got things like increased incidence of cardiovascular disease, of stroke, um, of uh, increased risk of depression. There's a whole stream of effects that loneliness have that you just kind of wouldn't think about unless you've looked into it because we're not actually discussing it enough in Australia or globally. Um, what you'll see is in overseas, like in London in 20, I think it was 19, they appointed a Minister of Loneliness. Japan did the same in 2021. The WHO is now talking about plans to have a um, social connection index. But in Australia, we don't have a clear national strategy. So I just thought, in coming back to PALS, I actually feel like the pharmacy industry is often overlooked in conversations around health initiatives. And this is another example where there are people getting together globally and in other countries and pharmacy is not represented there. 
So this was an opportunity to put our hand up and say, oh, we, we actually can take a leadership position in this and it's critical that we are part of this conversation. So I started to reach out to universities like Monash University Pharmacy and um, Pharmaceutical Society uh, and the Pharmaceutical Society and I've been started to give lectures to students and to staff to make sure that we are across this new health crisis that's really, it really is a health crisis. Um, there's a, a, a doctor, this general surgeon of the US um, called Dr. Vidic Murphy, and he said that the this is a crisis like at the scale of the opioid epidemic and, opi- and, and the obesity in the US. I mean, this is the kind of scale. In Australia, we're looking at a third of the population, so 33, 36% the Australian population saying they're experiencing loneliness. Think about that. That's larger than the number of people suffering diabetes in Australia, right? So this is a huge crisis. And so really PALS came about to say, hold on, we we need to do something. We can do something. Um, We all know the patients in community pharmacy who come in just for a chat. You know, they spread out getting their repeat prescriptions because they're coming in to connect. And, you know, talking about the digital landscape, I've been following that, as, as I mentioned, and we are seeing really convenient models of healthcare where people can sit on the couch, jump online, speak to a doctor or fill out a form, get a prescription, have it sent to their door, and they don't have to move anywhere. Now, whilst that's got its advantages and, and convenience, it's actually chipping away at the incidental chat because the patient is no longer seeing that doctor who might have been the only person that they see. And so in a community pharmacy setting, as an example, we are seeing patients more than their GP. We are seeing patients in their everyday life, not always in the acute setting. Maybe they're coming in when they're well. And that gives us this really unique opportunity to, well, as we do, engage and know people really well. So my, my call and the intention for PALS is to educate the pharmacy industry to have pharmacists screening. There are validated screening tools for loneliness. You know, and this could be added on to medication reviews, meds checks, you know, the HMR pharmacists, the embedded care pharmacists, the hospital pharmacists on discharge. We could all be having, you know, it's an easy four-question validated screening tools and then being able to refer patients in. In a moment I'll come back, perhaps we've got time, Scott, to talk about social prescribing. But staying with PALS, what I think we're really trying to do is make sure we educate the pharmacists help everybody understand that this is our responsibility as part of lifestyle counselling to be and holistic, personalised care to be talking about social health with patients. Yeah, no, no, that's a really good overview. And as you were talking there, I was thinking about some experiences even within my, I guess, career history with pharmacy and my family. And you're right, uh, in the times that I've spent in pharma- in different pharmacies around the country, and, and there's been lots of times and many different pharmacies, um, I guess what I've observed from the pharmacy team is that the pharmacist might be the person behind the computer screen dispensing, <clears throat> but you're right, the average age and type of client coming in is coming in on a regular basis. Um, has a connection with that pharmacist and pharmacy team. Like I'm, I'm aware of instances where um, some customers will only come in on a certain day because the part-time pharmacist works on that day and that's who they've got a connection with. Um, the even greater one for me, which I discovered after a couple of years, is how important the pharmacy assistant and dispensary technician team are because um, if 
there was ever anyone that knew what was going on in the community, it's possibly the senior pharmacy assistants because they're talking with the clients on a regular basis. They're seeing them and they're the ones that to a point have got a little bit more time to perceive, hey, Mr. or Mrs. didn't see themselves today. And now whether that then progresses into a follow-up phone call or a follow-up or discussion or a follow-up chat, um, I guess is what comes out of the value of that team. But certainly within the pharmacist perspective, the last two or three years has, has changed the whole operation model. Um, the, the, the outcomes are not differently, but with the extended services, and the availability of pharmacy through the last two or three years where many other businesses you couldn't get in through the door, um, that aspect and that value of pharmacy has become even more important. And if I can, just one more thing was that from what you were saying, you know, uh, my mum passed away a few years now and my dad's on his own and, and they've always been very active and they've been tied to their pharmacy and dad's a little bit less um, active these days. He still gets out and about, but he will always tell me whenever I chat to him about his weekly visit from the pharmacy uh, lady who brings his doset pack. And yeah. and he is lonely, he is on his own, and he sees and values that relationship. So the message here to pharmacy teams is that you possibly do all of this because of who you are and the empathetic people you are by nature. But there's, if I've listened to you correctly, there's this opportunity to connect at an even greater level without much more effort. It's, it's really an awareness in yourself, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think you make a very good point. This was pharmacy addressing loneliness and social isolation, not pharmacists addressing loneliness and social isolation. I really think it's a broad industry approach that we need. And even just another example is um, there is research showing that loneliness can affect medication adherence which if you think about it, makes sense. If somebody doesn't have the right social support, they might not be able to get to the pharmacy to get their medication and pick it up. Or they might not be motivated to take it. You know, you just feel a bit down, you feel a bit lonely, and you don't have someone encouraging you to take it. So this is, you know, the pharmaceutical industry needs to consider this also. If we're going to improve medication adherence, we're going to improve health, compliance we actually kind of need to focus on this because as you say there are many people living alone and and being alone in itself doesn't mean you're lonely there is a difference between being you know being alone and loneliness but you know one's objective and one's subjective but it's actually um yes to your point people there are lots of people living alone coming into the pharmacy or feeling lonely and loneliness we should flag here also doesn't just affect the elderly it can affect everybody, every age. In fact, some of the higher risk um, age groups include the, I think it's about 18 to 25-year-olds, and then again, you know, when you're in your 80s. So there are particular at-risk groups. But, um, yes, I think you're hearing my point that there, we do it probably intuitively by nature. I mean, I know a pharmacist, who happens to be my dad, who, you know, does deliveries and then, you know, he goes in and he ends up changing the light bulb for the person and, you know, there's somebody who's living alone and she's in a wheelchair and she doesn't kind of connect with anyone and, you know, he's drawn in to have a little bit of a chat and that's, I've always thought that's what pharmacy is about, you know. I've always felt like a little bit of a square peg in pharmacy and I've done all these interesting things and it wasn't until this COVID thing happened where I realised actually the core of who I am, which is about connecting people and caring for individuals for who they are and their you know, social needs and wellbeing, is absolutely pharmacy. It's just we haven't kind of um, yet fully embraced this. 
And interesting with the PAL, so PAL is an initiative to get lots of pharmacists globally involved. And I've connected with pharmacists from Egypt and the UK and the US and everywhere. Um, And, you know, getting people who are interested in understanding this. And most recently I had a gentleman from Germany reach out and we had a little interview and he wrote an article about this because one other thing to flag is loneliness can affect staff also. There's workplace loneliness that's very prevalent, especially when you have pharmacists who have been through hard times with COVID, working long hours, not necessarily, you know, seeing their families or being able to share that. And the effect of loneliness, again, the, the wider effects is health. And then lack of loss of productivity and effectiveness because people are staying home because of health consequences and lack of motivation, innovation, reduced creativity. These are impacts that have been documented around loneliness. So I think a key call out here is loneliness is not just oh, that's an uncomfortable emotion. This is a modifiable risk factor and a significant health risk. And so PALS is here to say, hold on, pharmacy industry, we need to step up. And even presenting at the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia conference last year, it was amazing how many pharmacists hadn't thought about this but were so touched and reached out to me after to see how could we be involved. I even met a pharmacist who during COVID created what was called the pen pals program so she had a student and she said to the student write a letter to the doctor and the student said I don't know how to write a letter to the doctor and so then she thought to herself you know what I used to do that all the time with a buddy with a pen pal that's what I'm going to do with my elderly customers who I seeing who don't have contacts so she organized with the local school a whole lot of letters to be written and she was the conduit and connected those anonymously with her patients and she said it's still going and that you interview people and the people say, this was the thing that kept me going, that letter from my pen pal from the pharmacy. So as you say, simple measure. I mean, this is simple. This is not complex pharmacy clinical interventions or services. This is something simple that is life-changing, absolutely life-changing. So PALS is an invitation to anyone and everyone in the pharmacy industry from hospital to community to embedded care pharmacists to appreciate that we have a role to play in this and I hope that PALS is a, um, that, that it really serves as an education tool in the first instance to make people kind of wake up and look at the evidence and the research to understand what loneliness is and then, as I said, from there we can start to embed screening tools into checks. we can get referral pathways to different initiatives and there's a lot that we can do, but but I do think um, we just need to be aware of it to start with. A very valid point. And again, as you were chatting there, I was just jotting down a couple of notes. Now, in the show notes that will attach to the podcast and the YouTube uh, video, we'll include your contact points. Um, but yeah. I know even from my own research, and you mentioned there your presentation at the PSA conference. So there will be um, articles that you've written. There will be potentially copies or or files of your presentations online that people can can search you out, or ultimately people can actually just sh- shoot you a little note um, either through your contact points. We'll, we'll certainly include LinkedIn as a contact point for you. But for anyone listening today, that's this has hit a chord with them and said, actually, maybe this isn't as hard. Maybe I can find the five or ten minutes to engage with my team and get a greater interaction within my um, community pharmacy group. Um, what you're talking about today is mental health is as important as medical help 
health because it's hard to recover from something if your your head's not in the right space, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. In fact, loneliness is not um, listed in the DSM, the manual where, where the psychiatrists look for different diagnoses, so it's not actually considered a mental illness, which is really important, I think. So it's kind of an evolution of that. It's mental health, it's societal it's a social health and it's a society societal issue. So I think it's actually yeah. it's important to have that that understanding of the difference in definition because people who are lonely, when they're experiencing loneliness, can feel a real sense of shame and that there's something wrong with them and that that's kind of sits at the core and that stops them getting help. So as you said, the empathetic pharmacist who is um, experienced engaging with people and connecting and develop rapport you know, they need to bring their delicate nature in to have this conversation and they have the trust already established so they probably can, you know, broach the conversation. But it is important to, you know, it's, it's mental well-being, I would say, and, so, as, and social health, um, but it's important to distinguish that it, it is not a condition. Every human, it's a very human experience to have. It's just that we need to move to recognise that if we are not feeling connected, there are impacts on that and not to ignore that, but we need to be proactive and address it from that perspective no look that's great um we are going to move on in a minute just to the technology platforms that you've been involved with but before we do um in terms of pals is there anything that we haven't discussed that's been a really good chat it's certainly uh, an area of interest to me and opened my mind up to a few other things but for again our listeners is have we covered everything off that was on your little list yeah there is um i do have a little website which is um i think it's called pals global network and I'll, I'll share that link with you. As you said, it's got the articles there. Um, I really think, to be honest, I've worked hard. It's a hustle. Okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's a hustle to get this on the agenda because there's no, at this moment, remuneration for a pharmacist to do a screening on loneliness. But I think the difference here is people understand this. It pulls at the heartstrings. You know, you know those customers who come in. And if we knew, if we empowered pharmacy and pharmacists to know that there's little things that they could do, then I think we, that would go a long way. So my, my the only thing I'd say left is if you're interested, if this is something that resonates, if you if this kind of if it pulls at you to do more, please reach out. As you mentioned, Scott, I'm happy to do you know webinars for pharmacy staff. I'm happy to share the resources I have. Um, often you know, I do presentations within the first minute. There's quite a few tears in the audience, but I think that's because people connect to this. People know somebody, whether it's yourself your brother or your mother or a patient or a friend you'll know someone who's experiencing loneliness and it just you know it's a tangible feeling in your heart that oh that's that's not a nice feeling you know what can I do to help them so that's my the last thing if there's anything please reach out um, if there are opportunities to present or to get in front of pharmacy students um, or industry um, I am more than happy to put up my hand and come and you know provide that introduction to loneliness uh, that's excellent. And I think that's a really good segue then into um, you, the technology platforms that you're involved with. So you mentioned um, in part of your history that you were involved in telephone health co um, coaching. And the reality mm. is that we still use the phone today a little bit, but I'm finding certainly from my perspective, I tend to text um, message um, to people more than um, phone, in, phone. And now, again, it's possibly just because life's become so busy and it's a quick, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or, uh, you know, can I help you with this? Or uh, can you help me with that kind of thing? So that's where the text messaging works in a very busy mm. lifestyle. But from a coaching and an interaction point of view, what, what are some of the technology platforms that you're involved with? 
So in the past, when I was using um, the health coaching, it was Salesforce and there was, um, I think it was just Zoom also. We kind of at the time just used Zoom. But more recently, um, it is definitely WhatsApp. That's kind of, you know, a place where I'm connecting with people. It's still Zoom. There's Google Meet. It's actually, um, you know, shared documents. It's another, you know, it's not the communication tool, but it's a way that we're collaborating. So collaboration tools like that. And I myself use Trello quite a bit just to uh, <laughs> to plan, to plan different kind of strategies and what we're doing. Um, PowerPoint, again, to, you know, for presentations. So it's just the, the, the standard ones that I'm using. But if I can, I'm just going to extend this a little bit, this conversation, broaden it a little bit, because you really, you make a good point about technology and and pals and loneliness, there are so many interesting things coming out as potential solutions or potential ways to address loneliness, things including AI, including robotics, um, and, and it's a really interesting space because in many ways this technology and the, the, the pace of life has eroded a lot of connections. In some ways there are tools that are helping people connect. So I was recently on a telephone call and there are people out there now creating AI conversations just to check in with people. You know, there are little robots that you can get who are learning about you, who are driven by empathy, who initiate conversations with you like how was your day or how was your lunch or have you taken your medications? Um, so there are a lot of these things coming. There's even little dogs. You might have seen them. They're like robot dogs and robot cats. But they look real and they breathe in and out. They're companion robots. And so I think it's important, in this, you know, it's part of this, you know, to, 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 to take you on a bit of a branch, but it's kind of along the same topic. I think we're going to find the ways of connecting are changing. And, um, you know, we even have conversations around with the people involved in PALS and social prescribing about prescribing non-medical solutions for, for, for people like volunteering or, you know, going to a dance class. When we talk about this as part of PALS and the umbrella of solutions to address loneliness, people are talking about the metaverse already and, and pharmacy and the metaverse and how, you know, customers are going to be able to engage in that way. So I actually think it is open door at this point how people, are, the acceptability of a lot of these things is up for question, but they're all coming out fast. So it was a bit of a um, left turn of your conversation, but um, a bit of everything. A bit of everything's coming, AI, robots. And, and I have a vision. I have a vision in the future. There could be in the pharmacy a whole new merchandise category, which is social health, and you might see those robots there and you might see, you guys might have spoken, digital therapeutics. You know, Maybe there is this kind of coaching program that's digitised, that's a therapeutic that goes out with the medication and it helps someone reconnect and develop social skills and then prompts them to go and connect with other people. We might just have a social health merchandise category in the pharmacy one day. And um, I think that will be driven quite a bit by technology and also quite a bit by a person just sitting there available for a chat. Jenny, that is fantastic. And, and you're right. You, you and I, I think our, our brains went to the same place at the same time <laughs> in terms of that because pharmacy is the community hub. For, for so many things with people, um, depending on whether it's one pharmacy or multiple pharmacies in a town or a suburb, that is the, the one constant hub. And, you know, 
people will sometimes shop between different pharmacies because your connection with that person or that team or that service, um, but, you know, particularly if I think of um, sleep apnea, for example, I know some people that have changed pharmacy because of sleep apnea, that, that they've now gone to a pharmacy that specialises in that. So for anyone listening today, I guess the summation and, and the wrap up today is that pharmacy teams are already doing this, as we said, subconsciously. We, uh, pharmacy teams have so many things thrust at them, both from a business and an industry and a supply perspective that, you know, it's, it's sometimes easy to park things. But in my mind, the reality is that when it comes to customer connectivity and um, association, this is innate. This is already happening. And if you're listening today, here is potentially an opportunity to reach out to yourself and have the chat. And as you've said, connect, whether it's a, a webinar with you and your team to actually progress this as a service, um, extended service to your community. Um, Jenny, we've uh, come to the end of our time and there's certainly an opportunity to have another chat in a few months time about what's happened, what's changed. But I'd really like to thank you for the, your time today. It's been a great chat. Um, as I mentioned before, we'll, we'll uh, attach your conduct points um, in the show notes attached and uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks again for your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to chat today. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Pharmacy View is a technology-focused podcast provided by Melbourne-based business Arian Technologies and Shopfront Solutions. Over the podcast series, our guests include pharmacists, retail managers, wholesalers, suppliers, and industry technology partners. If you would like further information on our podcast series or to participate in one of our episodes, feel free to send me a message or touch base through the Pharmacy View website, pharmacyview.com.au.